Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. So we've uh, had the privilege this, um, this weekend to have Mac and Dean with us. And they've been sharing about um, parenting. And um, you know, Mac has always, even... Ten years ago, where you know he was, he was a papa bear. <laughs> He's always been that. He's had that sort of spirit of of a real papa bear. Loves to take care of people and Nordine um, as well, you know, and and just a lot of wisdom. And Friday and Saturday uh, morning was was really special. We learned so many things uh, and so many practical things. Really, really practical things. Who was there, by the way, at the parenting thing? You guys enjoy it? It was, it was really good. It's um, really practical um, guidelines about how to do family well, how to build families that last, that are resilient, uh, that are healthy. And um, it's, it's been such a pleasure receiving from them. They, they, they really open up their hearts to us and, and share um, very openly and, and, uh, and, and vulnerably with us. And I want to encourage you as as Matt comes up to share, just to open up your hearts. Uh, he really has um, a lot of wisdom. He really loves the Lord, and he, he really takes God's Word seriously. And, and we can safely receive what he has to say uh, for us. So let's, let's welcome, put, to put together your hands, and let's welcome Mac. The closer I get to God, the more I realize I'm unqualified, really. And the more I see my black spots, it's nice and not nice. The closer you get to God, the more you realize, oh my goodness, I've got a long way to go still. Thanks for all the acclamation, but I really don't deserve it. But it does encourage me, and I feed off encouragement. Who of you feeds off encouragement? Who loves to be encouraged? Yeah, me too. So, um, Nordin's also going to come share a piece now now during the message. Uh, so I just thought with, with the childlike faith and the things we spoke of now, I just got this picture of, I trust it's the Lord, that the Lord is saying, we need to cry as well. Uh, we need to laugh. But find another guy or another girl with whom you're comfortable just to cry. Because there's a lot of healing in crying. It's a lot of release of built up. And who's had an easy last two years? Raise your hand. Who's had a tough last two years? Okay, so God's given us a powerful tool, and that is cry. Nordine and I cry easily. And some guys say they don't cry. I cry. And um, you can call me a pipsqueak. I don't mind. Then I'll be a pipsqueak for Jesus. But um, I just, there's such a release with crying. So... I experienced that last Saturday in a place called Slunghook. Have you guys been to the area Slunghook in the Cape? Beautiful place. At a, it's called the Opstar, which is like a, a wedding venue. So I experienced that, um, but probably times 10. And there was a bridegroom awaiting his bride. Um, and he could not contain himself. I've never, I've done a lot of weddings. Uh, nobody can do as many weddings as see us, but I've done, I've had my fair share. I've never in my life, never, seen a bridegroom literally want to jump out of his skin 
with anticipation and excitement for his bride to come. His name is Yandre. And when I arrived at the wedding, quarter to one, and the wedding was half past one, I said, Yandre, why are you crying? He said, and he, he said, I'm crying with excitement and anticipation. I cannot wait to be married. I cannot wait for my bride. It's taking too long. I couldn't wait the last two weeks. And he was, he couldn't stand still. And while he's talking, he's laughing and smiling and crying all at the same time. And, and when she came around the corner, he literally leapt and jumped and went ballistic in anticipation of his bride coming. And while I was watching this, I mean, it was like the Holy Spirit dropped this thought. He said to me, my son, I cannot wait for you to marry me. He, he depicts a little bit of my heart for you as my church to marry me. You're already my child. You're already my body, but you're not my wife yet. You are betrothed. You're engaged to me. But I cannot wait. For that great day of the wedding feast of the Lamb of God. I cannot wait. And he depicts my longing, my hunger, my desire. And then I got a picture of the, the, the prodigal father and the prodigal son. <clears throat> now, um, prodigal means excessive. Uh, it means um, too much. Um, so the son was an excessive sinner and the father was excessively graceful. He had excessive grace, exuberant grace. And, and the scripture says the father saw his son come a long way and he ran towards him and he reinstated him. And that's for a lost son. How much more will Christ not grab hold, embrace, run towards us? If we've run that whole race, because he does that for the lost, the backslidden. Now we're already children of God, and he awaits us after our journey of sanctification, of going through everything and standing strong, strong and not giving up, persevering till the end. How much more will the expectation, the longing, the desire be for us to be united with him as his wife? If you just look at the prodigal father and prodigal son. That would be a thousand times more when we've gone through the journey where, where he meets a bride full of previously, sorry, I'm not allowed to walk around, full of previously lost people. Who of you were not lost? We all were lost. How much more will he not reinstate us? How much more? So this morning, I'm glad you're going to do a relationship week, as you said. So maybe this could be a kind of an introduction to relationship week. So we're talking about romantic relationships in marriage and before marriage, in your pursuit of marriage. So if we go look at a very well-known piece of scripture, Ephesians chapter 5, the marriage chapter basically, most of it, and also relationally between brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a chapter for that and a chapter for marriage. We go look at verse 1, Ephesians 5 verse 1. In the New Living Translation, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. So now, Paul is building up to talk about marriage. And now he's saying, generally, in the body of Christ, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His children. 
Now, how easy is it to imitate God? Who finds it easy to imitate Jesus? It's humanly impossible. Would you agree with me? But by the power of the Spirit, we put to death the members of our bodies according to Romans 8 verses 13. Therefore, by the power of the Spirit, put to death the members of your body. Who of you have experienced the glory of God to such an extent that you had wave upon wave of pure, sheer, golden exhilaration? That's like the baptism of the Spirit. Who's experienced that wow moment with God? About half of you? Okay. Now try imagining sinning in that moment. Because that's the power of God. That pure, sheer glory, wave upon wave of... There, there are no words really to describe that power of the Spirit. It's like wave upon wave of glory just come upon you. Oh, it's like you're being filled and filled and filled and filled. And in that moment, you cannot think of yourself. You cannot think of gossiping, of lust, of jealousy, of... Uh, malice of stealing it's like it's it cannot be with you and 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 the the key to imitating god is constantly being getting a top up of the holy spirit constantly feeding off what god wants to feed you with so a quiet time in this day and age is not enough who says, Anon, Amen. And if you're not spending a quiet time, you will not stand, I'm sorry to say. You will backslide. A quiet time is not enough. It's during the day the Holy Spirit tugs at your heart. You get a desire to, Yo, I just want to read some scripture, or right now I just want to pray. Shotgun prayer, or just... And I'm in a board meeting right now, and I just have such a longing for God. That longing comes by the Spirit. Then you say, folks, I need the, the toilet. And you go to the loo, and you say, yes, Lord. Give me a top-up. What, what is it you want to do? And God says, just sing a spontaneous song now. I love you, Lord, and I love my voice. And you sing it softly in that toilet, and the Holy Spirit tops you up. He fills your, your tank. And then you get enough resources in the power of the Spirit to not let your members of your body take control of your sinful nature. Respond to that draw, that tug, during every day. Now, every time you don't respond to it, what happens to you? Your sinful nature starts taking over. Slowly but surely, you start weakening and standing in Christ. You start falling backwards. But every time you respond to the Spirit, it's like one brick upon another brick upon another brick, and you start building up such a strength to letting your sinful nature take over. Who of you have experienced what I'm speaking of? Don't neglect the tug, the draw of the Spirit. Once... I was having quiet time, and God said to me, Mac, you're bored with me. God, how can you say I'm bored with you? And God said, 
because, um, because you are bored. And I said, Lord, where did this come from? And God said, every time I tug at you, you'd rather go look at a YouTube, or you'd rather go chat with so-and-so, or you'd rather go look at a TV series, or you'd rather go and do an exercise, or you'd rather go work on this. You keep postponing me. And I had to repent. And I said, God, please give me back the tug. Give me back, give me back my sensitivity to, to responding to your hunger that you put in my heart. And God did. Respond to that tug. That's the way we imitate the Lord. And how much more do we need this when we do the mystery of marriage? Dean said to me, Paul does say mis- marriage is a mystery. How much more do we need that? To put to death, uh, because if there's a place in marriage where your sinful nature gets tested, or there's a place in this life where your sinful nature gets tested, your selfishness gets tested, then it is in marriage or in a relationship. You could be in a relationship sitting here, man and woman. You're pursuing each other. You're working towards marriage. I mean, my wife loves me the most, but she's hurt me the most. I love my wife the most in, amongst all human beings. Love God first, always. But I love my wife more, but I've hurt her the most. That's where God really forms and molds and sandpapers us. is by our life partner. So, imitate God. And verse 2 says, Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. A a pleasing aroma to God. Now God says, how do you imitate me? You imitate me by, or you imitate me towards one another, especially in the context of marriage, which we'll see now, by loving like I loved. Now how much humanly possible is it possible for us to love like Jesus loves? Humanly, obviously. But then, we put to death our selfishness, our self-centeredness, by the power of the Spirit. By responding to the hunger, the tug, the draw, consistently, during every day, every week. And by doing that, Christ becomes truly Lord. And when God becomes Lord, you start following in your Lord's footsteps. When you respond to that duck, every day, during the day, all the time, you respond. We'll talk now now a bit more about the implication of Christ's sacrifice. How to love like that, especially when we think of relationships between male and female. So, let's um, think a bit, let's go look. Just a few thoughts regarding imitating Christ's love in practical thoughts. How often does Jesus forgive you for the same sin? Or how often has he forgiven you? Anybody wants to take a wild guess? A figure? A thousand? Ten thousand? A lifetime? But how many times? Oh my joy. Too much. Now God says, you imitate me. So I have forgiven you. Am I still in the picture? I, I have I am, I've forgiven you for the same sin. I'm not talking about different sins. The same sin how many times over and over again? 
But you get upset with your future spouse or your present day spouse. After the 15th time, you draw the line. You say, you dare do that again. How much imitation are you doing there? VC Anon, Amen. Unconditional love. How conditional is Christ's acceptance and love for you and His faithfulness and care? I mean, um, may I share the story of the car and the makeup? May I? Okay. So for about 19 years, I said, Liffy, please don't put makeup by the handbrake of the car. You know, there's always like a little pocket by the handbrake underneath. Who of you ladies put lipstick and what's the stuff? Mascara by the handbrake. Who's guilty? Be honest, man. Just make us laugh a bit. All right. Huh? It's a backup system. Who uses the handbrake, the, the little hole underneath? Who does that? Raise your hand. Be, be bold. Be brave. For the Lord thy God is with you. Okay. So now that is, that, that's a dangerous thing. Would you agree with me? Because if I emergency have to pull up the handbrake, then I have to fumble through a whole lot of stuff. So I said, Liffy, please. And she says, yes, yes, you'll do it. And eventually, after 19 years, I don't know, I said, I said, Liffy, um, explain to me. Then I started building up conspiracy theories. She's, you know, who doesn't understand Afrikaans? Huh? Many. She's being spiteful. Yeah? I was totally wrong. I realized later. She, she's on purpose not doing this. I mean, in a court of law, she'd be found guilty. She'd be imprisoned. Now, I'm, 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 I'm picking on her, but she can pick on me too. I've, she's got lots of stories about me, so I'm also guilty on this. So, on other stuff. Not makeup. I'm guilty on other stuff. And um, so, uh, so I said, I said, are you spiteful? My, what? Explain this to me. And I, wasn't, I wasn't like malicious. I just said, I want to understand why. And she starts crying. She says, Mac, I try, but I really just keep forgetting. So, how conditional is our acceptance and love Towards one another. And our care. Oh, after that talk, she took it away. She took it away. Yeah, she's, it's, we don't have makeup there anymore. Yeah. Uh, just. And so how conditional, thank you for reminding me, how conditional is our acceptance and love for one another? As he treats us, we should treat one another. So I'm going to ask Nudine just to come explain. So we're going to jump from verse 2. So verse 1 and 2 says, imitate and love. Verse 1 says, imitate. Verse 2 says, love as Christ loves. So now applying that to relationships, we jump to verse 22, which literally unpacks a relationship between male and female. So Nudine's going to discuss, just give us a bit of a, a breakdown of for wives. So... Before that, verse 21, it says, submit one to another. We'll go to that shortly. But then after saying submit one to another, it says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. 
So Mac has asked me to um, explain just submission. I think it's such a it's such a huge subject that it's very difficult to just explain it in a in a few sentences. But through the years, I think we kept going back and said, how how do we apply the scripture to our marriage? How do we make it applicable and easy? And I've got two examples for you that I will will give you right now. But um, I always say. I think one of the things that the enemy tells women that if we are strong, then then submission is an option. But submission is strength under control. And it's given by God. The day I was created as a woman, God has, in my being, in my fiber, he created me with his design. So I can't say that I... I can't be submissive or I'm too strong because I go against the design God created me to be inside of this. And often people ask us, but what about outside of marriage? And Mac has referred to that, Paul says, that it's like a mystery. And I've read up on this opinion of mystery. And there's one example that I read that I really like. This one theologian says, The mystery is, it's not only for this, it's for this. That that God created us in our godly DNA. The day I said, Lord, I surrender to you, that I have the ability to submit. Because I understand strength under control, because it's within God's design. And um, how we've worked it out in our marriage practically, I think I want to use a few examples just to make it digestible for you, is we used to live up Halswichter Mountain um, in Kalmore. And one December holiday, our kids were still much younger. I think it was about eight, nine years ago. And we went camping one December holiday. And friends of ours offered their bushwagon to us. I don't really know what it's called. But you know those camping vans that everything everything opens and closes except the toilet doesn't flush by itself. Not really, but you know what I mean. And um, so we went down the mountain, and we're quite good with sticking to the speed limit. And I think the speed limit was 80, and we drove 80. But to me, it felt we're pulling... Table Mountain. I mean, we've never pulled a, something that big or a caravan. or. And um, I didn't say anything. I just sat like this next to Mac in the car. And the next moment, Mac just slowed down. And our son at that stage, the cheeky one of the family, he said, Dad, what's, what's this? You should not submit to Mom. Mom should submit to you. And he said, my boy... The Bible tells me as the husband to be considerate of my wife. And I want to consider her in this moment. And submission is like a team sport. I want to lead her well, to submit well. And he said, I don't understand what you're saying. And then Max said, one of these days, I have to make a risky, deci- a risky decision. And then mom is just going to jump because she knows I consider her and everything that I do. And um, so to me, that is just the submit one to another. That, to me, that's a beautiful um, example of that. It's not he's the boss and he tells me what to do. And I would love for him to explain the function of each because I think that makes it very easy. The other example that I want to use is, I don't know if there's a mountain pass close by. I don't think so. Um, 
But again, um, do you know what it means to ride pillion on a motorbike? Okay, so I'm going to explain to you. If I'm on a motorbike and I ride with Mac, we have to ride like this. Do you know why? If we go around a corner, okay, Mac go around the corner, and I'm scared and I lean this way, I'm going to cause an accident. I'm going to cause destruction in our lives. So when we ride pillion, it's like this. And to me, that's the most beautiful explanation of submission. That if I don't do this according to the word of God, I will cause death and destruction. We're going to be on that motorbike and we will constantly fight for our lives. But when we establish unity, submit one to another, as the scripture says, and then I go, Mac, I trust you. Hold on to you. You go and I follow. Then, then there's something pleasing in that for Jesus. But I really would love to ask Mac to explain the farmer and the farm because that also makes it so beautiful in, in the picture. Okay, I'll take your, your suggestion. So... Um yeah, the, the farmer and the farm, many folks struggle with the concept, you know, with our woman's lib going on so crazy. And it has infiltrated even males as well and females um, in thinking, but I can do anything that a man can do and I want to do and I want to compete with, with my brother and my husband and whatever. And, and, and the thing is you, you're playing out of position. Now, why do I say that? Um, the scripture 1 Peter 3 verses 7 says, Husbands, live in an understanding way with your wives as the co-heir of salvation, as the weaker vessels, so that your prayers may not be hindered. You've heard that verse, eh? So that weaker refers actually to being vulnerable. So imagine a husband being a farmer and a wife being the farm. Can the farm produce a crop without the farmer? Can the farmer exist as a farmer without a farm? But their roles are totally different. They're totally dependent on one another, but their roles and their function is totally different. So the farm, which represents the wife and the crop, needs the farmer to kill the, the, the animals that want to eat up the crop basically prevent those animals from eating the crop. The crop needs the farmer to put in fertilizer. The crop needs the farmer to put in insecticides. The far it needs the farmer to till the soil, to sow the seed, all of that. The farm cannot produce a crop without the farmer plowing into that farm. But the farmer cannot be a farmer without the land, without the farm. So you see the different, the different roles, but... That farm needs the protection and the care of the farmer for the crop. Otherwise, the crop doesn't come up. And, and that's how, if I can try to explain the role of the husband and the wife in that way. They need each other completely to fulfill their calling and their purpose that God has placed on them. Though is the one more important than the other? Or is one less? They, they equally, they totally dependent on one another. Interdependent. They cannot exist outside of that unity and that covenant partnership. So, 
verses 23, it says, For a husband is the head of his wife, um, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. That's very self-explanatory, I would say. So, as Christ is the head of us, the church, the husband is called to be the head of his wife, to be her protection, her covering, to, to, to look after his farm, to sow seed. And then it says, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. But now, there's a beautiful balance in verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. So how hard is it for a wife or a potential wife? You're in a relationship. You could be engaged or you, you're busy. You, you're in a romantic relationship with the opposite sex. How hard is it for a wife to willingly submit to her husband if she sees, or her male partner, if she sees he is starting, he's trying his best to pursue laying down his life for her after Christ. As Jesus did. He gave his life up for her. How hard is it, ladies? He doesn't always get it right. But he's working hard at placing your interests above his own. Always Christ's interests first. Then your interest above his own. Is it then hard to submit to him? No. He's going to fail. Yes, but you fail too. We're humans. But he's, the core of his being is, I constantly want to try my best not to prefer my interests, my ambitions, what I want to become, my dreams. I don't want to prefer myself above you. But after Jesus, I prefer you, my wife, above myself. So that's the balance. It says, wives... Uh, um, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Because you know your husband is pursuing to place God's interests and your interests, line them up above his own. Amen? Then it's not so hard. And then it carries on to say what the husband has to do. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So the husband has to fulfill what Jesus does by cleansing us with his word. The husband obviously has to be the spiritual leader. And many of you are possibly in relationships where you are taking the leadership. Then you should pray day and night, God, raise up my husband or raise up my male partner that is not spiritually where I am to take the leadership and then relinquish your leadership as an honor to God. Which is not easy. We know of many situations where the wife has been serving Christ for 20 years. And the husband's not been interested. And after 20 years, he gets saved. And within a year, he has grown past her spiritually. It's like God's anointing comes upon him. He's totally sold out. He goes, but it's hard for her to relinquish that leadership. She wants to hold on to it. And then she has to intentionally say, I will submit to you, my husband, not only in the practicalities of our marriage, but in spiritual activities. I will submit to you. I will lay down because I honor God above my own desire to be the boss. Because God says, the church is like clay in my hands. The word submission in Greek refers to clay. And Jesus was clay in the Father's hands. The man, the husband, is clay in Christ's hands. And the wife has to be clay in the husband's hands. 
as pliable as clay. That's the root word of submission. So God is calling us, and it's, there's safety in this order. But as before that, it says, but husbands, um, or it says, when it speaks from, from verses, um, quickly get those verses, 15 to 20, um, it talks about interaction in the body of Christ. It says, it speaks on how to live in the light. It speaks about fools versus the wise, about using every opportunity to share the gospel, to, to not to act with thoughtlessness. It speaks from verse 15 to 20. It speaks about understanding the Lord and His purposes. It speaks about being drunk in the Holy Spirit. It speaks about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks, 15 to 20. But then it goes to 21. It says, and further, submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. So there's, there's a partnership between male and female. In these spiritual activities, we are to see what God is implanting in my wife to add on or to enrich my life spiritually. And, and she's supposed to be open to, to receive from me spiritually. But at the end of the day, I am to lead her spiritually. But in these spiritual matters of looking for opportunities, being drunk in the Spirit, being thoughtful, not being foolish, understanding God's will, we are in total submission to one another. We learn from each other and we consider each other, as she shared now. We talk about it. But eventually, when a final decision has to be made, God says, as the man representing Christ, he makes that final decision. In sub yes, you can come. In submission, one to another. I just quick. I just sense I don't want. I, I don't want a gap for the woman on on this thing. Um, often we even in counselling, then the woman says, "But Nordin, he doesn't love me as Christ has loved His church." It's like being a single and and keep yourself holy and pure and do all the right things. You can't do all the right things and go like, okay, Jesus, what, keep your side of the bargain. Where's my husband? Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus' side of the bargain is, I will never leave you. I will not, never forsake you because that is covenant. And with this, that is exactly the same. I'm not going to submit to Mac and honor him because he loves me. I don't, I don't do my side for him to keep his side of the bargain. According to what God has called Nordine, in this marriage, is unconditionally submit to him, honor and respect him. It's not because he does something. It's because my reverence to Christ and that I understand my responsibility, my godly responsibility within this marriage, I do it. Not because he does something right. Because then it's tit for tat all the time. And that is exactly what the word of God says. It's not. It's covenant. Thank you for that. So, in a nutshell, God's calling us to outside of the power of the Spirit, an impossible situation. But with the power of the Spirit, we are able to. We can do that. And we have to have grace for each other's standing and falling. Standing and falling. Because if any of us do not fall, we have a right to point a finger at someone else that does fall. But we all fall. And we all stand. And 
this uh, respect and honor that Nordine speaks of that doesn't depend on the husband. From my perspective, I must place her interest above mine. From my perspective, from a male's perspective, I must lay my life down for her as Christ and pursue that. But from the lady's perspective, whether I do it or not, she has to submit to God's word. Do you see how God puts the onus on both parties? And often, as 1 Peter 3 also says, husbands, wives, through your gentleness, your kindness, you can lead your husbands closer to God. So by doing that, you're saying, I'm submitting to the Lord 100% to His Word as an honor to God. By that, my husband that is self-seeking, selfish, self-centered, through my lifestyle, will turn to placing God and me above his own interests. Amen? All right, so, in closing, I'd like us all to close our eyes. And all of us that are in relationship, be it married or in the pursuit of, of marriage, ask the Lord right now to show you where your love for the opposite, your partner, needs improvement. Just ask Him for one area. It might flood you with more, but... Ask him for one area where your love needs to improve in your relationship with your partner. So if God's spoken to you, just open your eyes so that I know. If he hasn't spoken to you, just keep your eyes closed. We'll give you a few more moments. Now those of you that are brave... And obviously the husbands lead by example. God says to the hubby, you lay down your life first and then your wife takes up her cross as the Jesus for the church. So Christ first laid down his life for us and then we are told to lay, take up our cross. So hubbies, if you're brave, share with your wife. What area? I see the husbands are fleeing. Two of them have just fled. Um, so... Come back. <laughs> tell your, tell your, either your partner if you're romantically involved. And if you're single here and you are in a relationship but the other party is not here, then find someone else that's single and say, listen, just to share this, to bring it out in the light, I just want to share with you, obviously female with female preferably, male with male, um, I want to share what God has convicted me regarding my girlfriend or my relationship with whatever. So... Um, Say again? Singles, friendship, yeah. Relationship, friendship, whatever. You know, you're, rom you're romantically pursuing each other. So I'd like the hubbies to share with their wives. And, um, and then the wives share with their husbands. That area where God has told you, you need to increase, improve your love towards your spouse or your future spouse. All right? Or just a boyfriend or a girlfriend. All right. I'm going to go share with my wife. Okay. So single ladies, if you can pair up, even in a friendship, in, in a friendship with a guy or a girl, this applies to the body of Christ, to friendships as well, not only romantic relationships, because the chapter starts off imitating Christ in the body of Christ. So if you're single, you're not pursuing anyone, nobody's pursuing you, find another single and say, listen, this is the area of love that I need to grow in towards my friends.
It applies all round. In all relationships within the body of Christ. According to Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2 and 3. And now that you've shared it, I'd like you to, the hubby to pray for you both. And if you're just a single lady, single guy, just pray with that other single friend. Pray for each other, please. Thanks, Mac and Odine. Thanks for sharing with us. I just, um, I just want to mention this. The best time to start building a good marriage is not after you get married. Uh, you know that old saying, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, and the second best time is now. The best time to start building a good marriage is while you're still single, because you become a, a, the person who can be a good married person. Now, here I just want to say that this, uh, this is important to know whether you're going to get married or not, because whether you're going to get married in this life or not, you are going to get married. Whether you're going to have a spouse in this life or not, you are going to have a spouse. Those of us who are married, we practice through marriage for the ultimate spouse who is Christ. And those of us who are single, we practice through singleness for the greatest spouse who is Christ. And whether you're married or single, you're called and I use that word called specifically and intentionally. You are called to be single while you are single. And you're called to be married while you It's not just an arbitrary thing or a convenience thing. It's a calling from God. Both singleness, the Bible says so. That both singleness and marriage are callings from God. All of us are called to for a certain time be single. And some of us are called then after that for a certain time to be married. And some of us might then, after those marriages, be, be called to a time of singleness again if a spouse passes away or something like that. But both singleness and marriage are callings from God, and they're callings to reflect the gospel. Both singleness and marriage are forms of gospel reenactment. Let me just read this to you, and, and I'm going to close with this, and I want to encourage you with, with this. Uh, singleness and, uh, singles and marriage witness to the gospel in different way. Married couples bear witness to the depth of Christ's love. Their vows focus and limit them to loving one person exclusively, permanently, and intimately. Singles, vowed and dedicated, bear witness to the breadth of Christ's love. Because they are not limited by a vow, a covenant, to one person, they have more freedom and time to express the love of Christ to a broad range of people. Both marriage and singles point to and reveal Christ's love, but in different ways. So I just want to, I just want to encourage you, understand, like Macanodine was explaining now, that your singleness and your marriage is a calling from God. It's a privilege. And it's in order to live out the gospel. A living, being a living parable to live out the, the gospel. Isn't that a, a massive privilege that we have? Father, we thank you for this time that we could just come and submit ourselves to your word. 
And we pray, Lord, that as we willingly and gladly submit to you, that we will also be able to submit to one another and love one another as you have loved us and gave yourself as a sacrifice on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus, that, Lord, even as we are betrothed to you as your bride, Lord, you already love us with a covenantal, unconditional love, a a love that is life-giving from your side and life-giving to us. You are so good to us, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Just stand. I just want to speak God's blessing over you as you go. Father God, I just bless your people with the blessings that, that are in your heart towards them. Thank you, Jesus, that as the ultimate bridegroom, Lord, you have love and blessing in your heart towards all your saints. And I just pray, Lord, those blessings that are in your heart over them now in Jesus' name, may they flourish in everything that they do. May they grow in their love and commitment to you. And may they experience your life, your peace, your grace every day in increasing measure in Jesus' name. And may they not only be blessed, but may they be a blessing. And may those things that you bless them with flow out of them to the people around them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you as you go. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.